Hello and welcome. My name is Timp. I'm Axio. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode A Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. How are you guys doing? I feel great. How are you doing, Timp and Herf? Yeah, I'm alright. Uh, slightly hungover, I have to admit, but nothing that would affect my <laughs> wonderful uh, podcasting. Yeah, another late night of uh, boozing and rando. I uh, think we've all been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was an exciting uh, new tournament to watch last night, so I don't blame her for being up all night. There sure was. Yeah, I was up watching that as well. Um, there was one the night before too, so they just are not giving you a break on that. You got to stay. You got to stay up nice and late to catch all the all the action. Not that late though, because it starts at nine. Yeah, and if unless you're, on you're the, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess if you're, you know, which which Herf is, so that's true. Definitely late night for him. So yeah, we we've had this uh, the the qualifiers going on. TM qualifiers. TM. I've been very careful everywhere online to uh, use that TM after saying qualifiers. Qualifiers are in full effect. What? How? How? How is your guys? You know, interaction with that bed so yeah, far? Yeah. So I actually have the uh, the qualifier. Uh, I guess results up right now, and so this is we are recording this on Saturday, October sixth. But as of right now, there are a hundred and sixty-seven entrants. Wow. Um, I think I saw Christos saying that they had two hundred people sign up. So this should, it's not going to be as big as the spring tournament, but 200 is a pretty good number. And that means that basically if that 200 number is right, about the top half will qualify. Um, we had right now, you know, I don't want to go through the standings because it's pretty, pretty variable. <clears throat> I played in the uh, one on Thursday and the one on Friday and my position moved 30 spots after the second one, even though I actually did better. Um, so I don't want to say, oh, here's who's at the top, but they've been pretty competitive and a a lot of the veteran runners have said, oh my God, there are so many new people here. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been very, very good. Uh, I'm, well, talk about myself. I am currently in 102nd place. So (laughs) just on the, yeah, just on the outside, um, which so, really honestly surprised me because uh, I I watched you play on Thursday and I talked to you afterwards as well and you were like yeah it, I felt good about my execution you said you had a death in Thieves Town which is not the worst place to take a death to be completely honest um, you made an unnecessary dip into TR which a lot of people did Wayne actually did. yep Wayne and I actually Wayne did yeah close. Wayne does it how can you feel bad about that yeah exactly. when when I'm f- I think I was five or ten minutes off of Wayne's time I was like man if I'm all that far off Wayne, I'm feeling pretty good, but I think it's just the competition level is really tough. I mean, so, you know, the way the the scoring works uh, for those who are are not super into the tournament, basically you take the average of the top three and then you're going to subtract off that time from your time and divide it by the average of the top three. And so basically you get a number that's like, all right, you know, point something, um, Right now, I have a .758, and looking at the way things are set up right now, to qualify the qualif- the lowest qualifying time right now, it has a .78. So, mm. and, you know, looking through the tournament discord and talking with folks, the, the speculation is that probably that'll rise to about a .8 or a .82. So, mm. you know, 
for those of you who uh, <clears throat> who are in the tournament and are trying to figure out what to to shoot for to make the cut, I would guess if you're above a point eight, you should feel pretty good. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a pretty reasonable statement to make. I mean, as you were saying, there's a there's a lot of unique racers, like uh, unique signups. So and people who you know are just starting, so to speak. And um, there's a lot of new names, as you also mentioned. But uh, I think it's just going to grow more because uh, I know a lot of people decided to sign up right away for all of their qualifiers just so they can get it out of the way and get it, you know, marked in their calendar so they don't forget and stuff. But I know at least a couple of people who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll just see how it goes and if I'm around at that time because you do have up to one hour before the qualifier starts to sign yourself up. So I'm assuming the number of racers will be rising, probably not as much anymore, but... Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a real experience on Thursday. I mean, this was the first time I had ever raced on, uh, well, <clears throat> in a, a formal race on uh, Speedruns Live. And it was just ridiculous to sit there and see, okay, 90 people have to ready up. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's it's insane for one race to have 90 people. And the rebroadcast has four and you know it actually was pretty cool uh, on thursday the four that they had up um one of them included prd wong who was actually the winner of that one so we got to see the the fastest play of that which was cool um and uh really actually really impressive because uh they also uh, dipped into skull woods after being in go mode even though it was a pendant just kind of like was like i guess you know high on adrenaline was like all right they said something in their interview about okay i know i have to go to skull woods and then somewhere else and then i can go to Gannis tower but they actually did not need to go even doing that they went in killed mothula uh fluted out for some frustration slashes as you can probably imagine and then went up and just like had really perfect execution to the end and still beat out these 89 other people so that was incredible but um to shift to shift gears just a little bit, I did want to say uh, congratulations to our very own Herfy Durfy. He now has a gold name in the tournament Discord, Ooh, which means he's an admin. Yeah, so congrats! That's awesome to it's, see. Uh, yeah, it's it's more work for no benefit. <laughs> no, that's unfair to say. It's just it's crazy. Like as you were saying, we had like ninety people around that in both of the qualifiers. And uh, we have to make sure that everyone has their delay set up correctly, that they're live on stream, that they're having all their stuff set up correctly so we don't have to disqualify anyone. So every night when I'm around, time-wise, if it's feasible for me, I have to check on multi-twitch with like 90 people and see if everyone's <laughs> all right and if they're on the correct delay and that they don't start too soon. And yesterday, I don't want to you know, throw anyone under the bus or anything, but yesterday we had a player... Where we were like, wait, did they forget their delay? Their timer looks like, you know, they're on the Ganon fight and it looks like they're not on a delay. But it turned out from checking their timer and their previous stuff in the VOD that is being generated as you stream, that they had just been stuck on the Ganon fight for 20 minutes. Oh, oh no. Wow. So My heart know, goes out to that poor soul uh, yeah. i can't even imagine the level of tilt that i would be feeling shout outs to them as i said no names but shout outs and props for sticking it through to the end and not just going okay screw Absolutely. this i'm forfeiting yeah that's, <laughs> i mean i always feel really you know i kind of keep the the window up even after i'm done 
And I always feel bad when I see, oh, so-and-so forfeited because I know, I just know that they've probably gone massively on tilt and, um, I feel, you know, bad because I'd like, you know, you want to see everybody finish out and you don't want to see people run into problems. Uh, speaking of the delay, I also saw Christos did say that in the very first qual- uh, qualifier race, thank you. Um, the one that was, uh, I think on last Tuesday, during the afternoon in the United States and the evening in Europe, that someone did get disqualified because they did not set up the uh, delay. Yeah, we unfortunately had to disqualify one runner. He did say, I, I had the unfortunate uh, the unfortunate privilege of DMing them and telling them mm-hmm. that they had been quali- uh, disqualified. Uh, they did say to me, they were very understanding and very friendly, which was a pleasure. But they did say they had set it up and weren't sure why it wasn't working. They must have forgotten something or maybe... We also had a little problem in the first qualifier where there's still people out there who are using OBS Classic. And OBS Classic mm-hmm. only lets you set a delay up to 900 seconds. And what we require is mm-hmm. 1,200 seconds. So I'm assuming they set it up for a 1,200 seconds and just gave them like an error message or whatever and they kind of, you know, missed it and all the hubbub about getting ready in time and setting everything up and probably some nerves on your first race and everything. Ooh, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, what I, I assume. I get so <laughs> jittery about, you know, making sure the tech setup is exactly right before going live and streaming and, you know, putting myself out there like that. Um, so I can only imagine, you know, the nerves. And I actually, I'd like to talk about my experiences with the fall of fires um, for, for a brief moment. So first one was Tuesday. That was 2 p.m. I was at work. Couldn't do that one. But I had planned on doing the Thursday one. And then a couple hours before, I had this devious thought that maybe instead what I should do, you know, I played a couple of seeds of V30, but I hadn't really watched a lot of people play them yet. So instead of participating... I decided to watch and see if I could get an idea of, you know, where where a little bit more of these hint tiles are, which ones are worth getting, you know, going after and maybe see some some more of the hints and kind of, you know, process those. So uh, that was a strategic move. And then for the Friday one, I was late. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I uh, I saw some discussion about that in the admin channel. Uh, Felix actually said you signed up at you know eight p.m. and twenty two seconds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I was uh, so I, I had an engagement before. This is kind of boring, so I'll, I'll kind of gloss over this. But I had an engagement before, and, and the idea was to get home in time to get everything set up and participate. But I, as I was driving home, I remembered, oh crap, you need to sign up at least an hour before. So I get my phone out and and try to fill out that form as quickly as I can, hoping like, okay, maybe they'll see I at least tried and I'll be able to go home and get everything set up. And so I go home and I'm wrestling with trying to get the 20 minute delay set up and trying to, you know, register in IRC. And it's like, you know, like I was saying before, it was just really stressing me out. And I was like, you know what? There's still seven more of these that I can conceivably participate in, including one later today and one tomorrow. Um, again, we're recording on Saturday. So I was like, I, I don't need to be stressing about this. But then shout outs to Felix did reach out to me and say, hey, saw that come in. Are you ready? Did you want to? We don't normally do this, but it was kind of impressive that you literally got it in at the last second. So they did, you know, extend that to me. And again, I really, I really appreciate that. But yeah, I think I'm just going to really focus and make sure that I've got all my stuff set up. And the only reason I wanted to talk about that is just to say to everyone here, if you are planning on participating and you haven't started yet, don't be like me. Go, go get that <laughs> stuff set up ahead of time so that you're not having to stress out about it. Yeah, I, uh, 
I'm glad you had such a good experience with Felix because I also had a great experience with one of the tournament admins on Thursday. I uh, <clears throat> really haven't used IRC since I was in like high school, right. and uh, I had no idea what I was doing, and somehow had registered two nicknames, and it wasn't wasn't letting me join the uh, the actual channel. So thanks to Wayne actually for telling me, hey, you, you know do this and you'll be able to get in if you're registered and then when i was trying to set it up it was it, you know i had the wrong nickname set and uh, an admin was very helpful in walking me through what i needed to do to get on the right nickname and this was like five minutes before the race started because the uh you know joke buster was saying hey this guy doesn't have his stream set up so uh unfortunately i don't remember who it was but thank you so much to whoever that is and Big thanks to the the admins for uh, for dealing with all this stuff. I'm sure it's very chaotic right before those races start. Yeah, and all volunteers, as we mentioned, so very very cool, very very highly appreciated all around. And uh, speaking of that, I just want to bring up real quickly because we had a little discussion just before we started recording about the whole delay stuff. Uh, I'm not mm -hmm. sure in how much detail we want to go here, but. Uh, we, we, we posed a little question to ourselves, I would call it, that uh, the delay, is it is it a deterrent for new players? My, you know, is it too much weird setup-y stuff that you have to do to be even able to participate in this? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that literally happened to me, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a little impartial because it did happen to me, but I, I, here, here's the thing. I, I take full responsibility for what happened. I, I don't... I'm not somebody who's going to say like, oh, it's it's not fair, you know, because I had to get this set up, I missed it. No, I missed it because I didn't get it set up ahead of time. And I, I take full responsibility for that. And I'm not even that upset about it because there's more opportunities to participate. But, you know, it definitely like it's not it's not like you can just jump right in there. You know, like I tried to get home an hour early to get this all set up and it wasn't enough time to get it all set up. So when they say the race time starts at nine, for me, it really started closer to eight to get everything set up. And then once you're done streaming, you have to let your stream sit until the delay ends, which is another 20 minutes or so. So it's a huge chunk of time. And I don't think that that should just be glossed over. That That has definitely been a challenge for me that I didn't anticipate as a new as a new runner. Yeah, I mean, for me, what, I, what I've actually done is set alarms for me. Because basically, if you are running, you need to really have your stream started by about 30 minutes beforehand so yeah. that, you know, the, the admins can verify you, you can get the seed and everything goes smoothly. Um, so, you know, I don't know in terms of advertising if it would help if they said, look, guys, you know, maybe here is the time you need to start your stream. Here is the time the actual game will start. And here is the time that the restream will start. Maybe that's too confusing. But I, I do, you know, I, I saw there was some discussion in the main Discord about it. Um, really, if you are participating in this tournament, you got to block out about three hours, you know, yeah. because you don't know if you're going to have a jet seed or trolley seed. And, uh, you know, that could be could be a deterrent to some newer players, especially because the IRC setup is not the most intuitive. Once you've done it once or twice, you kind of get the feel of it and it's not too bad. But I could see that intimidating some folks, whereas, you know, compare that to the Swiss, it was pretty much, hey, sign up, you'll get paired with one other person, you have the entire week to set up a match time. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Okay, so this 20 minute delay, the whole reason it was instilled was so that we can try to deter cheating, which we've been promising we're going to talk about, We, I promise we will. 
Um, but just to kind of touch on that, I mean, the idea is with a delay, it's harder to, to stream snipe somebody. In your opinion, Herf, is this 20-minute delay, is it helping with that? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I think it, it's definitely helping, but I don't think it's the perfect solution. Uh, we decided to up it by five minutes last time. It was 15 minutes, and we had a discussion about that, uh, that 15 minutes is not really enough to 100% deter people from gleaning meaningful information if they do want to screen snipe. Like, you know, 15 minutes sounds like a lot of time, but if you're doing some other checks and then you still watch someone on the side, you can still get some information that could be very helpful to you despite being on a 15 minute delay. And it was generally agreed that anything over 20 minutes would be a little, you know, excessive, I guess. But uh, the added five minutes is kind of the middle ground that we agreed on where even if you get some information after 20 minutes, you know, someone finds a great item, someone finds the flute or the boots or something, and you see that 20 minutes later, it's probably not going to be super beneficial to you anymore, even if you are screen sniping. So that's the reason why it was introduced in the first place and then why it was up by another five minutes for this tournament. Well, I guess it probably remains to be seen exactly how effective it could be there there's almost this more sinister side of me that wonders like when you make such a big move to deter cheating it's almost like a putting a challenge out there to people you know like they might not have even thought of cheating until that delay was introduced and now they're like oh i guess you could watch somebody else's stream huh yeah i, I can sort of see that i'm not sure if people really want to go you know through all that trouble especially there's, you know, a lot of small details that you can miss if you're just, you know, casually trying to cheat. Like if you have another stream open and you forget to mute it, it'll come through your stream as well, most likely. So Ooh, people... that would be so satisfying <laughs> right? to see somebody get caught that way. So, you know, stuff like that. Or maybe you forgot to move the window a couple of pixels to the right and suddenly, you know, the right edge of your stream shows another stream of someone else. <laughs> that would so, you know, also be incredible. All, all kinds of stuff, little details that you might just miss if you're not super committed to actually wanting to cheat with screen sniping. I mean, screen sniping, as we were saying we'll we'll talk about this in more detail in some other episode because i think it's worth maybe dedicating you know a whole episode or maybe a bigger amount of time to it but yeah uh, it's uh, it's not the only way to cheat unfortunately but screen sniping is probably one of the easier methods and we just try to deter it as as effectively as we can i guess yeah, yeah. it's it's totally understandable and I, I don't think it's caused any huge issues so we'll just have to kind of let that one play out and, and see how it goes. Yeah. Axe, do you have any final thoughts? The only other thought I had is I know they also reduced the amount of time you have before you get the seed. And it's, it is a little hair raising because you'll get the seed about five minutes beforehand. And so, you know, it'll be the, say the race is at nine, it could be eight fifty six, and you're going, where's the seed? Where's the seed? Where's the seed? <laughs> but I mean, the whole reason they did that too, was also to deter cheating because if you get it 15 minutes beforehand, you know, that's enough time for you to at least know whether, you know, you could illicitly play and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. figure out, okay, maybe South Shore has something really good or CAC has something not, you know, doesn't have anything, so don't bother going there. Um, and so I, I like the five minute. It's just a little, little nerve wracking. Yeah. It's like I was saying, you know, going back to the thing about kind of tech stuff coming in at the last minute and, and you know, causing nerves. You have four minutes to get all that together and, and you know, queue up. It's like, 
it's like the the inverse of hurry up and wait you know it's wait for 30 minutes and then hurry up for four but anyway so we'll we'll keep you know we'll we'll keep taking a look at that uh the races have been great um so you know i feel confident that we are going to get the top players out of this and, and get some really awesome brackets so that's the overall goal i think that it, that will be accomplished so definitely looking forward to see how seeing how all that plays out um so this has all been v30 as we know um we have upgraded to v30 i like i said i played a couple more v30 seeds been watching a little bit more with these fallifiers how, how are we feeling about v30 these days did either of you play the bonus for uh weekly that we had this week for for those not in the know we have a and something awful, we have a community and we play one seat a week, but we also have a bonus every week. And that bonus can be, you know, something a little zany, something a little wacky. Uh, so this week it was a inverted seed with Enemizer on. I have Didn't... not played that. I accidentally, uh, I saw that you were streaming. I saw that you were racing and I thought it was maybe one of our SA tourney matches. And so I jumped in. And then about 10 seconds in, I was like, oh, this is the bonus seed. So I saw you play it and disqualified myself from playing it all in one fell swoop. Yeah. So, uh, so Herf, do you mind if I talk about it? No, go ahead. Okay. So, so, and this is, might be something specific to inverted. I know I talked a lot about being excited for it, but you know, the way inverted sets up, you basically are going to start in, in, you know, dark world. And really the only thing open to you are the villa is the villa outcasts. So I went over there, got myself the flippers, got myself the moon pearl, and got myself bombs, and that was pretty much it. The because it was enemizer, Thieves Town was basically you couldn't go in because there was you only had four hearts and there was a bird in there and the bird would just instantly kill you because it was impossible to dodge and you couldn't really kill it with bombs. So that was out. And then the only things open to you were rupee locked. You needed eighty rupees to go play digging game, which I did grind and get and digging game had nothing and the only other thing left was pod which cost 110 rupees so normally when you play you really don't consider you know the rupee situation but uh, i ended up wandering around for 50 minutes trying to get enough rupees to go and funny enough my opponent had ran into the same problem so he and i both took around two hours and 50 minutes and finished within 90 seconds of each other because the opening was that difficult so that is an insane the, ending too. Yeah, but the Enemizer actually, I really like it, and it it really changes your thinking. For example, so that that pod situation, I didn't really even think of pod because I thought, well, okay, pod could be bow locked, so I don't really want to worry about it. But with Enemizer, it's very likely that it the enemies are not going to be mimics, so you don't have to worry about it being bow locked. And in fact, pretty much the whole thing was open. Yeah, and the enemies being randomized is bonkers. It is insane how many different enemies they got. Like, uh, fire bars can be, you know, are in this pool of, of randomized enemies. Uh, those rolling spike things. Like, you could just see one of those, like, rolling through the room instead of, like, a green guard. It's in, it's insane. It looks like a blast to play. Yeah, and my favorite thing is in TR, you know, you've got the <clears throat> the opening area with the, the tracks for the, uh, the cane blocks. And, you know, there's enemies there. And if you put enemies that don't float there, they will all fall to their deaths. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's funny. It, it has some good situations going on, both funny and very trolly. Yeah. But uh, but overall with V30, I, I know there was a big hubbub about the hints. I love the hints. They 
seem really helpful. Um, I've, I've really liked it too. This the way they have it set up is great, you know, because the, I, I can appreciate the idea of like, Oh, you just gave away a very important, you know, the bow. Oh, you just told me where the bow is. That's no fun. But the way that it works out more in like the, the actual execution of it is there's a pool of really trolly bad isolated item locations that it could just tell you what's there and man is that appreciated when they tell you what's on graveyard ledge because that that's so like far out there and nobody wants to make the time to go check that you usually don't have the stuff you need to check that plus other things at the same time it's possible but it's not likely it's really nice to just be like okay it's jump change or like okay it's the boots let me swing by there you know like i i've liked it a lot too yeah i had a probably my favorite hint related moment so far so in thursday's uh match for a uh, fallifier match there was a hint that said uh you know fire basically fire rod is with a fairy and both tr and skull woods were pendants so you didn't need fire rod but uh you know i got both the red crystals and i said all right you know what all i've got left are skull woods and tr so i'm gonna go there and pick up the fire rod and of course, what else is in there with the fire rod? Oh, the flute, my actual go mode item. So I just chuckled to myself. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I, I have to admit, I've uh, come around a little bit on the hints, especially now that they've uh, changed them a little bit and didn't, you know, changed them from being super specific most of the time to being a little more vague and uh, a little more interesting, in my opinion. Uh, I'm still of the opinion that a game like Link to the Past doesn't really need hints. Uh, in a game like... Uh, Not to need them. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a game like uh, Ocarina of Time, where a seed can take you up to five hours or whatever crazy time, I can totally see it, because that will actually cut down on the insane amount of time you have to invest to play one of those seeds. But in a game like Link to the Past, where you can generally finish around two hours, plus minus, you know, depending on how, how well you route and how trolly it is, I think they're kind of unnecessary, but I'm, I'm, I, I think they're okay. I think they're fine. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's keep moving on. We're th this is going to be a long one, but I think this has all been good. Uh, wanted to mention real quick that the something off tournament uh, has wrapped up officially. Our top bracket, uh, they've played out all of their games, and we do have a victor. So GG to Blaine. I don't think anybody's surprised to hear that this dude's top eight. You know, of of all the players in the community. Um, so of course he was going to champion our tournament, but. Uh, his opponents didn't make it easy for him. Um, shout outs to Trinex for getting the silver. And uh, third place was Kappa, uh, Plasma Kappa on Something Awful. So congrats to the three of them. Uh, that'll be our last Something Awful tournament update. I know we've, we've gone on for a while for that for such a small tournament, but really was just so much fun to have that that small community tournament. And uh, Reddit, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to call you guys out. I'm calling you out. All it takes <laughs> is one motivated person just to, to stand up and say okay i'm taking entrance here's the how it's going to go just copy what we did if you want to it's, it's you know we're it's not like we copyrighted it you you know take our structure frame start a tournament over there i demand to know who the best rando reddit player is yeah it's really not that much work and uh i think it's always worth it because tournaments are just you know it's just a different feeling and fun to to race against people to have something on the line. I mean, even if it's just for bragging rights, it still feels better than just playing a seat by yourself and then posting your time and going like, all right, this guy did better than me. Oh, okay, I did better than this guy. 
it, it just feels different when you have actual races going on and you're like, oh man, can I advance or can't I advance? What's going to happen? Yeah. yeah, and it's so cool to get somebody, you know, like I mentioned before, we have people that are watching and chatting along and, uh, you know, sometimes we even can get a you know commentating team together. That's that's really a privilege to be able to see your progress against somebody else's and have somebody talking over what you're doing and kind of piecing that out and comparing you to the other person and having people watching and, and giving their thoughts. It's it's really fun. It, it makes it really elevates the entire experience. Any other thoughts about that, about small communities? I'm ready. Uh, consider yourselves called out. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So last thing we wanted to get to, I'm really excited about this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm excited to introduce you to it. A little something called Z3R Sim. Love it. Love Z3R. It is the best. You can find it at Z3RSim.com. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, it was created by a member of the community, Kyung92, who I didn't mention this earlier because I wanted to save it, but that Thursday night fallifier second place so really really strong runner um they created a simulator that is like playing a game of a link to the past randomizer without any of the execution and you can play it on any phone so for a long time when i went to when i was going to bed each night i would pull this up and i would knock out one of these sims in 15 20 minutes and it cannot be overstated how how well made it is it, it really acts you know it's a perfect way to show you the logic of rando and it, and it just works perfect so shout out to kyung for creating that and uh herf actually has has got a scoop for us here so i'll turn it over to herf yeah so kyung uh i i know him from a small you know group of friends that we all hang out on on the discord together and stuff and as you were saying he's one of the the best runners i would say he's definitely up there and uh, he has graciously provided me with a little bit of a paste bin here explaining most of where the origins of his simulator came from, the idea behind it, the objective and everything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it a little short. I'm sure we're going to link the paste bin and everything in the episode description Definitely. if you want to, uh, mm -hmm. if you want to have more detailed information. But basically, he said uh, he started developing this in September 2017. Uh, it's a solo project just by him. Uh, he used the cross product tracker, if people are familiar with that, for assets. And he just really enjoyed the routing aspect of Randomizer and wanted to put that more front and center. And as he puts it, it's not really easy to play a lot of seeds in a small amount of time. You know, it's usually anywhere between an hour 30 and two hours 30, I would say. And uh, if you sit down with the with the simulator, you can just knock it out in five to ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes, if you want to think about your decisions a little harder. But it's it's basically a routing trainer and practicing tool that lets you get through seeds quickly. Uh, and it's not just you know made up from the top of his head. He actually generates seeds, so to speak, and uh, it's something that you could definitely get in a seed that you generate on the website and just play yourself so it's not you know illogical or unsolvable or something that you will never encounter in your actual rando play and uh, as you were also mentioning he wanted to make it workable on mobile devices so people can really pull it out anywhere at any time uh, it seems like he, he's, he has some uh, interesting information about the user base there seem to be between 100 and 150 unique users daily and a little under 300 weekly so 
that's really amazing to me personally yeah. that people keep coming back to that and really using it as much as they are. There seems to be about a 50-50 split between desktop and mobile users. So people definitely, you know, go at it on the bus or wherever they are on the on the go and on their phones. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great thing. He has uh, the, the website we already talked about. We'll link it. He has a Twitter and a Twitch. And he also has his own Discord. If you want to join up there, ask some questions or get some information, maybe make a suggestion, whatever it may be. But uh, certainly big shout out to Kiong for making this available for everyone and doing an absolutely amazing job with it. Yeah, the, as a, someone who's a member on that Discord, it's great because there's a, a lot of, you know, just very open, you know, Kiong will say, all right, here's the new features in this one. You know, give me bug reports. People can talk about it. And they say, oh, you know, I, I played it on the bus. I personally, uh, one of my friends in real life who has started playing the only reason he started playing is because I sent him, you know, he had watched some matches and said, oh, this is neat, but, you know, I'm not very good at playing randomizer. And I said, okay. Execution and stuff. Yeah, I right? said, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll try playing with the simulator a bit. And he played with the simulator. And after a couple of weeks, he said, you know what, I, I think I actually want to give it a try and, and start playing. And um, so shout outs to Kyong for getting one of my friends uh, out there in the <laughs> real world into randomizer. Yeah, it's, it's such a great tool to practice your, you know, routing and, and logic. And I did want to specifically mention it in this episode because it, it is fully updated for V30. So it, it's operating on V30 logic. He was recently added in hints and inverted mode. Um, uh, the other variations, I believe, they're all there. I know that Keysanity is in there as well. So um, just really impressive the scope of the project. And I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Go, go check it out next time you're you know, waiting for the bus or, or whatever, because um, it's, it's, it's a really awesome tool. Uh, w one quick thing I want to mention before we move on here is uh, one of the highlights that Kyung put into the pastebin, which I personally think is amazing. He said, uh, Yuna Kitty used the randomizer as a teaching tool for her fifth grade students uh, and linked to a Reddit post where she describes what happened and what it is. And uh, they apparently kept the interest in that for quite some time. So it, uh, it definitely resonates with people who are not necessarily into Rando yet. How can you listen to this podcast and not love that story? Oh, it was, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. You know, you've got a bunch of fifth graders. So these are people who very likely have never even seen a Super Nintendo in person. And yet here they are talking with each other about, you know, the routing for a mod of a Super Nintendo game. It's just really cool. <laughs> it's insane. I love it. Cool. Um, Full disclosure, I do not have a funny or cute transition into Tower of Hera. Do either one of you have anything you want to throw out there? Pooh, I think Tower of Hera is a hard it's one. It's a tower of knowledge. I, I don't know. This, this is a tower of knowledge that's going to elevate you to your best execution of Tower of Hera. That's nothing. All right, let's go. Okay. So, uh, Tower of Hera, we all know how this works at this point, so let's talk about how you get there. Alright, well, uh, the first thing you want to do is you want to get up Death Mountain. Since Tower of Hera is up there, that's really where you want to go. And uh, in Rando, getting up to Death Mountain basically means there's one of two ways to get there. Uh, you either find the flute somewhere, which lets you flute to one, and ta-da, you're up on Death Mountain. But that doesn't quite get you to Tower of Hera yet. Just getting up there doesn't really help you. 
what you'll also need is either uh, the mirror to be able to mirror back from where the little bully, if you manage to run into him, gives you like 27 text boxes full of a sob story that nobody cares about. <laughs> Shout out to Vitor, <laughs> biggest fan of that. Yeah, that seriously. Dialogue. God, that yeah. bully, man. Or that little bully pink ball. It's yeah, not even the, the bully. Yeah, the one getting bullied is actually a bigger bully to us. Yeah, exactly. Weird how that works out, huh? Yeah. I guess uh, the bullying moves on uh, either way. It does. You, it does. Uh, you it's toxic like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you do need the mirror to mirror back up to the top of Spectacle Rock, and then you jump down, and you can just run into Tarifera right away. Or you do have uh, a little thingy called the hookshot and the hammer as well. Uh, which means you can go east from the old man after you rescue him, which, by the way, very important. You always want to do that. Learn that dark room if you can. It's not very hard, or dark cave, I guess I should call it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not very hard, and it's super helpful, because even if the old man, as he is, tends to do, doesn't give you anything worthwhile, he'll give you a very helpful save and quit spot where you can spawn. Uh, especially if you have the flute, this is the spot you want to spawn at because you can get a really quick heart refill and it's the shortest way out to the overworld where you can flute. So it saves you the most amount of time no matter where you want to flute. And it's just my favorite save and quit spot ever. But uh, I digress. No, I, I think that's a good point to make. Since it, you know, you can get old, they're called old man kisses when you walk up to the old man and you talk to him briefly and then you get a heart refill and I guess the um, weep, weep, weep of the hearts are kind of like little kisses, which is really funny. Um, or you can do sanctuary and get priest kisses. But when you do sanctuary, you have to walk all the way down the sanctuary corridor. With, uh, you know, Link's house, you only have those three hearts that are in pots and that takes a long time. So of the three, if you are, you know, your, your goal is to get out and flute, mountain's going to be the best place for you to go because you can quickly get that full refill and quickly walk out the door and get the flute out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really think it's uh it's it's the best save and quit spot that you can have, especially with the flute. I mean, if you don't have the flute and you don't want to futz around on Death Mountain, you probably don't want to spawn there. I'll, I'll give you that. But mm. yeah, other than that, it's uh, it's pretty good. So we've talked about how to how to get to Tower of Hera. You know, you need Dark World access, then you need to get to the or I'm sorry, you need Death Mountain access, access then you need to get to the top of uh, Death Mountain so you can walk into Tower of Hera. When is the right time to do it? Uh, well, Timp, I would say the big thing is when you need to learn when not to do it. Yep. And by that I mean, so if you are able to route in Tower of Hera with Ganon's Tower or Turtle Rock... You are going to save a lot of time. In fact, one of the things as you start playing that will set you apart and really move you up the, the leaderboard, so to speak, is learning that multiple Death Mountain trips are usually a bad thing to do. You want to minimize the number of times you go there. If you go there, if you can do it all in one trip, that's great. If you do it in two, that's okay. Anything more and you really start running into a lot of time loss just because of how long it takes to go through Death Mountain. So... If you know, if you are making the call, hmm, okay, should I go to desert or go to Tower of Hera and you can full clear desert, always go to desert first. You want to basically keep Tower of Hera in with all of your Death Mountain checks. Mm -hmm. Especially if you can get over to East Death Mountain, if you have, uh, you know, the hookshot um, and the hammer 
really even if you don't have the hammer if you just have the hook shot that's enough to make going up the mountain worth it because there's seven items over there in paradox cave and then one in spiral cave and you hardly need anything to get them so uh that's a high density check that you you probably want to check early if you have access to it but as axial mentioned there's definitely something to be said for being able to put that off and do as much up there as you possibly can you know if you also have the titan's mitts and you can jump over to dark world death mountain and you know you already have the hookshot so you can get everything in hookshot cave then like even more reason to, to head over there especially when turtle rock starts to rear its ugly head and you realize you're gonna have to go in there so yeah and hair tower of hair is all just a part of that so um that should sort of inform when it's time for you to go in um it's not a great choice if it's a pendant to go item diving with the exception of maybe the first two chests so let's say that we're there now we are working our way through the Tower of Hera. Real quick, before you walk in, you're probably going to want to know what's required for a full clear. Uh, if you need to go down to the basement, which there's a, about a 33% chance, when you do that, you're going to need a fire source. So keep that in mind. You might not need it, but you might. It's sort of like the desert situation where you may or may not need boots. This is similar, except it's not as likely that you'll need this item. So Yeah, the only times you need to go down, have to have to go down there, is if the big key is down there. And like you're saying, there are three spots it can be, um, which we'll get to in a second. The other thing, it, you could have an item down there. There's two items in Tower of Hera. So. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I also want to quickly say that with the V30 now out, even Pendant Tower of Hera is, uh, in my opinion, almost always a good choice because there's two hint tiles in there. So even if it's a Pendant oh, true. and you're item diving a Pendant Dungeon just for the sake of it, you can maybe grab two super useful hints, which, you know, might be two items worth by itself. Well, you can definitely get one and you can possibly get the second one, right? Yes, the one you will always be able to hit because it's right there at the start. The second one, if you get the big key in then you can go through and if it's in one of the first two chests maybe that's a, a pretty good call if the big if it's a pendant hera and you've got the big key down in the basement though that becomes more difficult to justify going and waiting and getting up there for that second hint absolutely yeah so all right so so we just walked in the front door first thing you're going to want to do is head over to your left and go down those stairs um i can't remember is is this crystal activated and you have to hit it before you go down uh you have to activate the crystal when you come in otherwise you won't yeah. be able to get very far and yes. then you have to activate the other crystal because it's blocking the stairs down okay so two crystal hits yep and then once you get into the basement and you find an item or a key that you want to have in that little you know crystal block cage i will call it you'll have to hit the crystal switch down there and what's extremely important and happening to me a lot of the times is once you go back up don't forget to hit the crystal switch again or you'll be locked in yeah i do that a lot that's that's typical tim though <laughs> um <laughs> uh so yeah and this is another one of those weird items where the sprite is actually like it's not inside a chest it's just like chilling right there which is kind of funny um but you're you're hoping that that is either an item or the big key you don't necessarily want to see a small key because that could be bad for you, but it's not the worst thing quite yet. So go ahead and collect this one. That's one of six uh, in terms of item locations in this dungeon. Uh, you're going to hit the, you know, make sure you get that crystal before you head up. Uh, you're going to have to hit another crystal to walk to the back of this entry room. And when you get back there, there's another chest that's just kind of hanging out there. This is the uh, vanilla uh, 
compass chest, I think. No, it's the map chest, vanilla map chest. My apologies. Um, so now you've had two to check. Hopefully you got the big key in one of those two, because that means you can go up and, and finish this dungeon off. If you got a small key, that's telling you you need to now go to the basement and you're going to have a little free time on your hands. Yeah, before you, you go to that basement, though, you do want to make sure you check that hint tile that the uh, the Igor statue is holding. There's there's really no reason not to. It only takes about five seconds or so. Absolutely. Unless, I guess unless you're in go mode. If you're in go mode, yeah, you can skip that. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, well, we'll get to go mode at the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so does one of you guys want to talk about what happens down here in the basement? So I'll, I'll handle that one. So the basement is... This is probably the single slowest room in the game. You you walk down the stairs into on the kind of northeast, and you go into a room that has some blocks blocking a door, a locked door, and a crystal switch. And once you're in there, the tiles in the room will start flying at you, and the door won't open until you have all of the tiles depleted. Now, there is a little trick you can do, though, that makes this room very trivial. If you move the switches, you know, hit the hit the switch so the blocks are down and you leave a bomb or a can of Samaria block or something that's timed and you stand on the blocks while the switch goes back up, you will be standing on top of the switch pegs and none of the tiles will be able to hurt you. So you can just stand there and wait until they're done. Um, and it's very boring, but it is very safe. <laughs> this is commonly referred to as a coffee break. Uh, not to say that you have to have some coffee, but if you have some coffee, you're going to have a moment to take a sip. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do. It, it's literally probably about like 30 seconds, which is an eternity. Uh, uh, it might even be more. I've, I've managed to optimize my secret rolling time to get one rolled out while these tiles are flying at me. <laughs> uh, Herf is referring to uh, one of his favorite hobbies which is rolling cigarettes and then smoking them <laughs> I'm not sure if I would call it a hobby so much but sure Wait, we'll, we'll take that yeah that's fair um, don't smoke kids uh, okay <laughs> so once you uh, finish off the tile room and you're finally oh actually real quick at, at the end of the tile room one cool thing you can do um, actually saw Andy do this the first time I saw it so shout out to him but uh, you can uh, once the final tile rises and, and once you see the pattern enough you'll know which one is the final one because it's it's in the same order every time you can toss a boomerang out there and destroy that tile before it has a chance to fly at you which get, makes the door open that much faster saves maybe like a second or two and it's like what else are you doing at that point so you might as well you know take advantage of being able to do something like that so if anything it's it's kind of cool looking and saves you some time so i would recommend doing that um, um i also want to give ahead. a very quick shout out to animizer since we were talking about that before the animizer also changes the pattern of the tiles uh, oh, the okay. amount of the tiles will always be the same, obviously, otherwise it would be a little bit unfair. But uh, they've had some fun with that. It can say no, it can say, I don't know, it can say all kinds of stuff. It can be a heart, it can be some troll message. It's it's pretty fun to see and watch. Like, these tile rooms in Animizer are sometimes worth it just for the funny thing that they end up, you know, making. That is awesome. I had no idea. That's really cool. Uh, so this next room that you go through, uh, you should be able to just blaze through it. it. It had some cages with mini moldorms. Just ignore them. Walk right through. Uh, and then you're going to get to uh, a room where you need to light all four of the torches 
which will create a uh, chest, which will have your big key in it if you're at this point where you needed a big key. So that's vanilla. That's that's normally where that is. Uh, lighting these torches should not be an issue if, if you have a fire source. In the top right-hand side of this room, there's a pot with a full magic refill under it. So grab that if you need it. Light these four torches, grab the chest, and if you have the mirror, please use that. If not, you're you're in for a nice little hike back. Yep. All right, somebody else want to take it from here? Sure, I'll, I'll take the upstairs, I guess. Um, so once you manage to either mirror or walk back to the entrance, what you want to do now is uh, you want to walk down past that hint tile again, basically to the entrance, and instead of going left where you started out, you want to go right and upstairs which will uh, lead you to a little room with three holes in the floor, a crystal switch, and three hardhead beetles. Now, these hardhead beetles aren't exactly hard enemies, but they can be quite annoying, especially if they manage to knock you down into one of those holes and make you fall down. And there's a, a variety of ways to kill them. Uh, there's the sword, uh, sword spin method, where you walk up the stairs and uh, walk all the way to the left, where a little railing blocks you from going further and blocks the hardhead beetle on the left from getting to you. You charge up a spin, and uh, if you have a master sword, you'll immediately kill the two hardhead beetles that are coming at you from the left or the right. If you have a fighter sword, you'll have to do a spin and then one slash for each, which isn't too hard either. Uh, if you have a hammer, they just immediately die to one hit, which is not a problem either. Uh, and last but not least, if you manage to get in here without any usable weapons, you can also use the pots. There's two bots at the bottom of uh, the room. They can grab one pot to the hard hat of a hard hat beetle, will uh, immediately kill it. Uh, the problem that you usually run into is there's only two pots and three hard hat beetles, but lo and behold, if you fall down a hole or go back downstairs when it was quicker, the pots will respawn, but the hardhead beetles won't. So you'll have to make two trips up there, you know, kill two hardhead beetles with the two pots that you have, fall down, go back up, grab another bot, pot, uh, and kill the last hardhead beetle, which will then open up the door to your left. Uh, once you go through there, or before you go through there, don't forget to hit the crystal switch to turn it to blue. You want the blue packs to be down, for now at least, just because it's quicker to walk to the big key door, which is in the next room. Uh, from from the right side where the blue peg is instead of having to go around a big wall and dodge three more hardhead beetles to get in there uh, Then you reach the big key door which you can just walk through That's why we were looking for the big key in the first place earlier on uh, You come to another room with a bunch of hardhead beetles crystal switches in the or I guess switches in the floor They're in the crystal switches that change the layout of uh, the holes um, if you've Put the blue pegs down. You don't have to worry about stepping on one of those. You just go straight up past the wall, walk over the little blue peg that you can uh, go through, and then you go and walk all the way down to the wall. Because uh, those little holes that you see in Tower of Hera and uh, pretty much in some other places in the game. Yeah, just about anywhere in this game. Yeah, caves and things like that too. Uh, Mini Moldorum Cave is a good example. Yeah, that's the other one that came to mind immediately. Uh, the game, you know, we, we all know that Link to the Past isn't the most well-programmed <laughs> game, I would say. Is, is that a glitch or is it intended? I don't really think it was necessarily intended. They just, you know, didn't bother with it too much because it really doesn't hurt that much. Uh, yeah. But you can just walk past that hole at the bottom. So basically, if you 
if you're lucky enough to have boots, you just walk all the way down to the wall and then dash all the way to the right. And you're, you're almost at the next set of stairs. What you can do yeah. here, if, uh, if you're feeling a little low on hearts or if you think it's a little too risky, you can hit the crystal switch again to make the blue blocks go up, which will later on in the dungeon make a whole couple of pots. I think it's 12 in total available just before the Moldorm fight, uh, which they all have a heart under them, so you can refill your hearts almost to your heart's content if you, if you feel like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice little yeah. pun there heart to your heart's content <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah so so that uh second room that you, you described is is pretty straightforward you know and that going down to the bottom of the room and dashing is, is definitely the fastest way let's go back for a moment to that initial uh, hard hat beetle room it seems like there are i don't know what why it is necessarily but as I feel like my items and my sword and you know just like my whole layout is always completely different every time I get here and I'm always having to, having to sort of like reinvent my strats for this so just to you know kind of make this available and make it known uh, one thing that you can do you know if you have the fighter sword or if you're struggling with this or you know you have something that knocks them back but doesn't necessarily damage them or, or hurt them you can knock these guys down the pit too and if it comes to that 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 could be an option that you need because you do have to kill all three of them for the door to open um Axe, do you have any advice or thoughts about about yeah. that room? So, so one thing I do is, you know, just to just to fight Moldorm, you have to have either a fighter sword or a hammer. So if you've got the hammer, I try to hammer the first two guys, and then I pick up one of the pots and I wait about half a second and throw it at the third one as he runs towards you. Uh, I find it works pretty well, and the pot on the left actually has a guaranteed bomb pickup. So with you know the bomb. Uh, quantity no longer being in the item pool you likely are never going to be at full bombs so just getting one bomb here and there can really help you out later on mm -hmm. yeah absolutely cool okay so let's uh head back up to the fourth floor um you know if you've hit that uh crystal because you're concerned about your health uh, and then walked up you'll find yourself now on the fourth floor which is another big large room kind of like uh the uh, first room that we walked into which is actually the second floor that that first room in tower of hair is the second floor and then when you walk downstairs that's first floor even though we call that tower of hair a basement sort of confusing anyway we're on the fourth floor now uh you're gonna work your way down to the middle of the room and there's two goodies here for you there is another item uh location a chest that could have an item or dungeon trash or um maybe a small key uh, so go ahead and grab that, but then there's also going to be another place where you can grab a hint up here, so be sure to read that. Um, at this point, uh, you might have all of your items, which would be great. That means you don't have to concern yourself with this uh, big chest that's in the north of the room. Uh, but let's say that you are still item hunting. Um, uh, Axe, do you want to tell us how to, how to uh, grab this? <laughs> so there are a couple different ways. Ideally, you've walked in here with the hookshot, and you can just go boing and hookshot your way over. Yep. Um, that's the easy way. Now the vanilla way is you. Oh, can... I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you there because okay, so you get over there with the hook shot, but what are you supposed to do to get because because you just got over a pit, right? So how do you get back? Right. So if you uh, if you have the boots as well as the hook shot, uh, I think you can dash into the chest and get back over that way. Or yeah, um, if you don't, then you just drop down one level and head back on up. Um. Now there is a, and of course the vanilla way to get this is you go up to the fifth floor and drop down from above. There is another way 
to get here though and uh i'm gonna tell you guys how to do it but uh i'm gonna give you the caveat up front that i think this is a very high risk strategy so oh, yeah. if you don't feel 100 percent confident in your ability to pull this off first time don't try it but if you have bombs and the boots make this a little easier because you'll get a two pixel window instead of a one pixel window you can actually bomb jump across this gap now the reason i say this is a high risk strategy though is if you mess up the bomb jump you don't fall just one floor but you fall all the way back down to the main floor because of where this position it this this floor gap uh, hole is you actually will fall down from the fourth to the third floor and then you'll fall again from the third floor down to the second floor it's a massive time loss and yeah. if you again if you do not think you are literally i mean literally 100 percent, if you are 99 percent sure about this just do it the you know vanilla go, way yeah because go up to the fifth floor the, and fall the, down. it doesn't take that long to go up to the floor above and fall down but you will lose so much time by messing this trick up it's yeah because you didn't even get your item yeah. you know like you you failed the attempt and now you still have to deal with how am i going to get that item so it's it really sucks to fall down and i've i've been victim of hubris enough times where i've i've you know i've tried to get it and then fallen and then you just you just don't want to put yourself in that position so either really put some time in and practice it until you feel great about it in a race setting or just do a vanilla I yeah. also uh, want to quickly mention it's uh, it's my favorite strategy in for for this big chest, but it's one that I personally have never managed to pull off. But you guys might have seen it a couple of times already. If you do hookshot yourself over to the big chest, you hit the little switches on the floor, which, as you guys were saying, makes the hole you know go very close to to the big chest, and your only mm -hmm. way without the boots is to fall back down, basically, or bonk into the chest and jump back over what you can also do and as i said i've never managed to pull it off there's a spark going around the chest that will eventually hit you but if you manage to time it just right you can pick up a bomb and you know do a little ring around the rosy with the spark and then basically have the bomb bonk you back over the hole but the timing is like to me at least insanely difficult i've never managed to do it that's funny because i've tried that before not knowing whether or not it would work Obviously, I was not able to pull it off, but I'm very happy to hear that it is actually possible and some people can do it. Yeah. Because it looks hilarious, too. You're like, whoop, 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 running around, like, mm -hmm. trying to get behind the sprite, the, the shine thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you also could hover back, you know, if you... Uh... <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. just go ahead and hover on back. <laughs> what are you thinking? Just hover. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't do the easy thing where you bonk against the chest. Do the hard thing and hover your way back. Yeah, because you have the boots. <laughs> I didn't even thought about that. Um, cool. Okay. Well, I think we're just about ready to uh, hit Moldorm here and take care of him. Before that, though, there's one more floor. So uh, we work our way up to the fifth floor. This is another uh, big open room. I actually just recently saw a really cool way to get through here. Um, and it's not as hard to pull off as you would think, although it's kind of another risky strat sort of. When you first walk in, you'll see a blue bumper kind of below you and to the right. Uh, and immediately to the north of this bumper is a, uh, is a is a pit. You can actually position yourself just a little bit south of that pit and a little bit north of that bumper. So directly in between them 
And if you dash, you can go straight through. And that takes you at the end of your dash, like straight to the door to get to Moldorm. So that is without a doubt the fastest way to get through this room. But if you hit that blue bumper, you bump into the pit and then you fall down. And you don't fall down very far. You just fall right to the entrance of, you know, the stairs up to the fifth floor. But obviously you don't want to do that. So that's the best way. If not, then just, you know, do it the vanilla way. Just work your way through this room. As uh, Herf mentioned earlier, if you had hit that crystal before coming up to the fourth floor, uh, all of these pots here right before Moldorm will now be accessible, and there's a heart under each and every one, so it's not uncommon to maybe grab one or two just as a little bit of a safety in case you're, you know, maybe, you know, super low on health and kind of concerned. Um, but Moldorm also is typically the, the danger in Moldorm is not getting damaged and, and losing your life. It's getting knocked off and losing time. So let's, let's talk about Moldorm. All right, well, Moldorm is, uh, uh, I'm not really sure what to call him. He, he has the name Trolldorm for a reason. And yep. uh, the reason is the reason that you just mentioned him. It's, it's not that he damages you a lot. It's that he manages to knock you off. And the worst that can happen to you is getting knocked into that little middle hole that's up on the platform. Because as cruel as the Link to the Past developers were, that one doesn't only knock you down one floor, it'll just make you continually fall down a whole bunch of floors. Yeah, I think you fall down to the... Is it the second? Do you fall all the way to the second, or is it only to the fourth? I, I think it's only to the fourth. The middle one? Yeah. Again, if I'm wrong, uh, sorry. Nope, it actually is the fourth floor, so you are right. Now, one thing I do want to say about Moldorm is... Uh, you know, with falling being, you know, a danger as it is, you're, it's going to be in your best interest to take it slow and make sure that you take care of Moldorm on your first attempt. That's almost always going to be faster than rushing and falling and rushing back up and then killing it again. So it's better to be slow and, and not try to do anything stupid or anything crazy and just get this done on your first attempt. So whatever you got to do, keep that in mind. Absolutely. Yep. And I will say for fighting Moldorm, so you need obviously a sword or a hammer. Um, if you have no sword, then obviously you have to use the hammer. If you have fighter sword only, then you have to use fighter sword. If you, however, have fighter sword and the hammer, I'm going to actually recommend you learn the hammer strategy and you use hammer in that case because mm -hmm. hammer is only going to take three hits, whereas the fighter sword is going to take six. Now, if you've got anything above ma Master Sword or higher, I would recommend using that because you can use spins, and if you use Master Sword or spins, it's three. Um, Temper Sword uh, also would end up being three, sp uh, three spins, but you can mix it up a little bit because you don't necessarily need three spins. You could do like two spins and a dash, and if you've got Butter Sword, that's just going to be... Uh, either two, two spins swipes. or two slashes. Uh, two slashes. You know, yeah, don't bother with with uh, spin slashes. It just just slash them. Um, with, if you have butter with tempered, you can do one spin and one slash, and that will be enough. Uh, with, you know, hammer is three. Um, so it's good to know these and and kind of weigh the cost analysis benefit of what you have and how good you are with hammer and 
Um, you know, as, as I say, every time we talk about bosses, we will have an episode where we just get like way too into these bosses and, and, you know, ways to take them out because I think it's important to talk about, they come up obviously a lot in randomizer, but being that we only have a limited amount of time, um, as, as long as you kind of have an idea of those general tenants, um, I think that'll help. Let's talk about ways, cause I think this is at least useful to, to mention right now. Let's talk about ways to avoid falling. What are some of your tips to not fall as often? So if you've got a sword and you've got it charged out for a spin, uh, if you poke it into Moldorm's head, which Moldorm's head is what knocks you back, you'll actually potentially get a slight little window to recover on the edge because of the way the knockback works. So pretty, this is why even if you, you know, don't have to spin, uh, it might be good to just use spins because you get that extra protection against the knockback. That's true. Yeah, and it's uh, if you hold out your sword, so if you have it charged up for a spin and you hold it out and you hold away from the pit edge, so if, you, if he's trying to knock you down the right side of the pit or the right side of the platform uh, and you hold your sword out and you keep pressing left, it's actually impossible for Moldorn to knock you off. It's not just a recovery window that you have. He just can't. It's not possible. Yeah, so... Uh, keep that in mind. Another thing I've done, and, and this is not, uh, <laughs> not proud of this, but uh, there is that one area that's a wall right where Link jumps down. So if you put your back to that in, in like a struggle, you know, if he's coming for you and you're just like not prepared for it, if you put your back to that wall, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to get knocked off the pit as well. So again, I'm not proud of that, but it has, if it's going to stop you from falling, then there's no shame in that. So. Oh, and uh, another important thing that I feel I want to mention is don't charge your sword and then jump down uh, into the Moldorm fight because if he managed, he, he will knock you back up the platform and that's the best outcome that you can hope for. If you jump down <laughs> and jump right into his head, he'll, he'll knock you just, you know, you'll fly back up the wall and sit back on the top and be like, what? But uh, <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is that he manages to knock you into a weird glitch state they will completely screw up everything and you'll be left with only able to mirror out because you're stuck in the railing and nobody wants seen that. that before. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that. Wow. Um, okay. Well, you know, be sure to do your practice, everybody practice up on Moldorm and it'll be no problem. So let's say you go ahead and finish that. Um, if you got a small key at any point during this and you did not get your final item, uh, one of the worst things you can see is when you kill Moldorm, if, if you have either an item or a key left, you really want to see the item instead of the key. Because if he drops a key, that means your last item is in that Tower of Hera basement where you have to go wait for the tile room and light the torches. So you're looking at quite an investment to grab this item. It may or may not be worth it to do that, though. What, what do you guys, where do you stand? When, okay, so let's say you get this key on Moldorm. What's going to determine whether or not you go back in and grab it or not? Oh man, it's it's agonizing. I uh, I uh, if I see that key fall off Moldorm, I just go, oh no, because you have to make a decision. You have to make it very quickly on whether you want to do the tower room or not. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know that uh, this is. I don't have any stats to back this up. I don't have any math, but intuitively, to me, it seems like it it is always a better choice to not do that. Um, I would agree. I think it's better to not do it. You're, you're um, looking I'm, at yeah. You're looking at one item location. Um, it's very likely that that item is not a progression item. The only thing I will say though is, if you are wrong and it is a progression item, 
it's somewhat time consuming to get back here, especially if you're having to go the hookshot hammer route where you go to East Death Mountain and then go up and then go over. Um, so that that's the only time that I give some pause is if I don't have the mirror and there aren't a lot of other checks left on the board, I might then say, okay, I'll do that. But if there's plenty of other open locations, you probably don't want to go do this. Yeah. For me, it, uh, I would say for me, it mainly depends on the situation I'm in race wise. Mm -hmm. If I'm playing a one V one race, I'll more than likely skip the location. If I'm playing in a big, say a big qualifier, I'll probably go back and check it just because I feel like the time loss of doing the basement in a big qualifier is worth the one or two places I might lose because of that, as opposed to the 10 or 20 places I'll lose having to make my way all the way up back Death Mountain, go into Hera, go down to the basement, wait for the tiles, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's, that's really really that's really mainly what informs my decision here. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that is a, a really good point. I was going to say in a, in a race that I saw one time, um, and I cannot remember who it was. I've seen so much randomizer at this point, but it was, um, there were, there were not a whole lot of item locations left to check and both runners, you know, being very good at execution, were pretty much neck and neck in tower of Hera. One of them fell on Moldorm. The other one did not. The one who did not actually went back and checked tower of Hera basement because there wasn't a whole lot of places to check. The one who fell skipped it to try to get that time increase. And I think it ended up working in their favor i can't remember the exact outcome but after you know because they skipped that tower fair basement they essentially made up the time and were more neck and neck with the person they were racing and i don't remember if that came back and, and bit them because there was something there i don't think it did so it, you know just like any check it's sort of it's always going to be sort of weighing the cost benefit analysis of how long is it going to take to do this and what is the cost of not doing it and there being something important there or what is, you know, how much time is it going to take to go get it and find out it was nothing? So it, you just always have to kind of, you know, be heads up about that. Um, so real quick go mode for this. It's really quite simple. As I mentioned before, the big key has to be in one of those initial first three chests. I guess the only real thing to, you know, give you a, a warning about would be you might need a fire source to finish Tower of Hera. It's unlikely, but if you're in go mode, you already have a fire source because go fire source is required for go mode. So you won't have to worry about that. But do keep in mind that you might need that time sink to go down there. We do have a, a listener question. Ooh. We actually got our very first email, uh, which is super awesome. Um, and it's from Unikitty, who we actually mentioned earlier as the uh, one who shared Z3R sim with uh, her fifth graders. So... Shout out to Unikitty. Let's go ahead and take a look at this question. Uh, it reads, if you buy a shield at a shop, will that affect progressive shields that you get later? Like if I see fire shield on Lake Hylia Island, dip into the shop and buy the fire shield, will it appear as mirror shield when I check it next? And would I be able to grab and have the mirror shield? How does that work? So we were discussing this a bit earlier because none of us were 100% sure but uh, we've, we've definitely gotten confirmation and uh, did our due diligence here. So buying shields in shops will never affect your progression. If you buy a Fisher-Price shield and then a fire shield in a shop, the first progressive shield you'll find in the game will still be the Fisher-Price shield, with the one caveat that uh, shields will never be downgraded. 
So if you bought a fire shield in a shop and you find the Fisher Price shield, it'll still be the Fisher Price shield, but you won't suddenly be downgraded to the Fisher Price shield. You'll keep your fire shield, you'll find the fire shield as your next progressive shield, and then the third shield will be the one that upgrades you to the laser shield. Mm -hmm. So if you go buy one, it's really just an admission of saying like, okay, I, I just want a little bit more protection, but it's not going to, for instance, put you one step closer to being able to do laser bridge if that's something that you're worried about. Um, it's, exactly. it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of just for help. Yeah, although I will say that fire shield, I think, has more usefulness than uh, a lot of people give it credit for, especially on the... Um, the brief fight against Landmola is to not have to worry about those late those little fireballs getting shot at you really is helpful i know uh, in the fall of fire match i had yesterday i really ran into trouble on Landmo 2 because every time i went to go for a fire rod shot i was getting shot in the face with the uh, fire you know fireball mm -hmm. so if you've got that fire shield it might make that fight a little easier I think the fire shield is generally very underappreciated. It can, uh, assuming you're not super familiar with a blind script, it can make that fight a million mm. times easier as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Agreed 100%. Cool. All right. Well, again, thank you for the question, Unikitty. If you have a question for us here at Go Mode Podcast, you can email us, email at gomodepodcast.com. Um, we're also on Twitter at gomodepodcast if you want to tweet at us. And uh, we haven't mentioned this in a little while. It is really helpful if you enjoy the show, if you want to dip into iTunes and leave a review for us there. Uh, Shout-outs to Dante, uh, D-A-A-A-N-T-Y, so I don't know, Dante. Um, but shout-outs to you. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, five-star review and the kind words that you left. Um, I, I check those often and, and share them with the group, and it just it just lights up our day to get that, that feedback. So thank you so much. And um, we also now have a Discord so if you want to chat with us, uh, we also have a channel for questions there. Um, if you you know are on Discord often and you find that to be easier, we'll go ahead and put a link to our new Discord in our episode description and come on in and chat with us. Let's see. Uh, Herfy, how can people find you? Well, you can, as always, find me on the Go Mode podcast Discord that we just mentioned. Yeah. But you can also find me at uh, Twitch TV slash Herfy Durfy, where I recently started streaming uh, V30 Seeds again. Only open mode so far. I'm, I'm taking it slow. Uh, I'm titling them D-Rust, so people don't expect too much. But uh, it's been <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, I have to admit. I, I, I remember at the beginning of the podcast being a little grumpy old man about me you know, rando <laughs> and stuff. But uh, I'm slowly but surely getting back into the groove. Awesome. Axe, what about you? Yeah, so the primary way of getting in contact with me would be, uh, well, one, if you join the uh, the Discord for Go Mode, I'm there. Uh, I also am obviously on the other uh, rando-based Discord, so you know if you're a little scared of, of coming into the, the Go Mode podcast Discord, you can you know find me there and shoot me a message. Um, I also, when I stream, play under the moniker SA underscore Axial, so you can find my... Uh, my twitch stream there and uh yeah those are pretty much the best ways to to find me so okay and uh i am on twitch as well twitch.tv slash temp underscore um i play randomizer once or twice a week or so usually with mike uh, if it's a race then i usually turn that off and and like these guys mentioned um you know any of the go mode podcast uh, methods of contact will will get to me pretty quickly so 
that is going to wrap things for us. I want to mention one thing really quickly before we mirror out. Not only does this episode wrap up our Tower of Hera walkthrough, it also wraps up our Light World dungeon walkthroughs. So, uh, it does. Ooh. I'll be seeing you guys on the dark side. Dun, dun, Actually, dun. no. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking it might be kind of cool. We've got a couple different ways we could go here, right? We could go to Aghanim and ha- and tackle that, or we could skip that for a later date and go straight to Pod. So I think uh-huh. we should put it to our listeners and see, you know, let's get some feedback from you guys. Would, yeah, what would you rather idea. hear? What would you rather hear first? Do you want to hear us take a dive through Aghanim, or should we go straight into Pod? Both are going to be, I think, nice long meaty episodes because there's a lot to talk about in both. So reach out to us. Let us know what you prefer. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, uh, let me just grab this uh, dirty mirror here, polish that up, and uh, let's go ahead and mirror out.